You ready? All right, Mike, welcome back to another one. Hello, Rory. How are you doing, Mike? Yeah, all good, good. Um, obviously, last week, I'm just going to take a look through a bit of market data this, you know, in this podcast, take a t- talk about what sort of happened last week in markets. I mean, yeah, it wasn't really too many sizable things. You know, I mean, PC was, was one of the biggest ones, but I think something we're going to touch on as well is, you know, looking at the data that came out on Monday, um, it was actually looking at the Brazilian real and yeah. the foreign investment. The direct foreign investment into that, you know, something that I think we're going to touch on first of all. Um, sort of looking at these underlying factors, things that retail traders probably don't look at. And yeah, you know, I, I see a few people in the app last week were commenting about, you know, markets weren't moving much, markets weren't doing this. But, you know, as you said, Brazilian Real moved, what was it, 2.2% on Monday or something? Of and yeah, you're bang on. Yeah, exactly. Where, where, where was that? Didn't see that in the headlines, didn't see it anywhere. Yeah, of course. And I think that's just kind of, kind of reflected on, you know, the EM space is still, even amongst uh, institutional investors, it's still a realm that's not as explored as, you know, developed markets, you know, your popular G7, you know, currency pairs. Um, it's just one of those in which, you know, if you're not involved in that world, things like this can definitely slip under the radar. And, you know, that's a size, as you said, that's a sizable uh, swing in any mm-hmm. FX pair, really. So, you know, to see, you know, Brazilian Real drop that much of the day, I think it's more than noteworthy, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, just to note, that was the Brazilian uh, real versus the USD. And, you know, I'm, I'm, because we're not seeing that sort of direct foreign investment, you know, that's probably coming from many things. I mean, what is what is the Brazilian economy? Is it mining, manufacturing, and... What yeah, we're agri- ag- ag- agri- agriculture. Part, yeah, cocoa. Agriculture, yeah, cocoa, cocoa sugar, a yeah. um, few precious metals. Like, you know, they're very, very much up there in terms of one of the you know bigger exports of some of these raw materials mm-hmm. like um i spoke about this before but they're definitely up there in terms of one of the biggest sugar exporters in the world so um you know they ex- export a lot to china as well so in okay. terms of what you kind of see when we look at china as an economy and you know their relationship with australia i feel as though people kind of neglect just how much trade uh, brazil also do with china yeah you know i feel as though not to the extent of Australia, but you know, it's not far behind if I'm being completely honest. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's an interesting one, FDI, right? Like yeah. it's so crucial for uh, an emerging market economy because you know the more you know the more foreign direct investment coming into you know these smaller economies, these growing economies, it's just a reflection on okay, the rest of the market is kind of like what's going on here. So I think you know it's a big thing to be honest. It- it is, and I mean, you know, we were just looking at the chart before we came on. I mean, looking at the Brazilian real USD, you know, it was top and sort of there at about 0.21. And then obviously on Monday, after we kind of got that news come out on Tuesday, you know, it fell all the way down to 0.25, which was, you know, over 2% of a move. Yeah. You know, which was huge. And I mean, that's just not, that's just not really what we're used to in terms of markets like Euro USD, cable, you know, dollar yen. We're not really used to seeing those things. And I think a lot of, retail traders especially undermine the emerging markets you know there's so much more volatility in them there's so much more you know, people say potentially a lot more growth in them you know yeah. is it something that you've always looked at trading emerging markets or do you kind of just sweep it under the rug and say well let other people only only as of recent did i start looking at em because yeah. it's one of those where it's it's hard to ignore uh when we're in a cycle like we currently are i.e trending towards a recession obviously we were speaking about this before 
whether it's hard landing, soft landing, you know, you are going to see less choice, less volatility, and you're going to, you know, see ultimately less returns, whether that's, you know, equities, obviously fixed income still in a sort of space of its own with high interest. But typically, you know, during cyclical slowdowns, your opportunity for returns are very much minimalized, you know, unless you're a big short guy, right? You know, if you were like fucking, oh, I love placing a short, I love taking a, a downside bet and things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of um, pockets of the markets, which we're able to see, you know, movement and fairly sizable on, you know, intraday, weekly, monthly sort of timeframes, that's EM, Yeah. right? It's just one of those in which, it's like an alternative. I view emerging markets as alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean alternatives in the sense that, you know, some of the rules don't apply to emerging markets. You know, yeah. they're very much, um, again, in terms of like, you know, economic cycles, they're out there somewhat related to, you know, what we see in developed markets. But, you know, a lot of them based on, you know, their economic makeup is very much dependent on you know their relationship with, with you know other EMs like China mm. and so on and so forth. So it's a nice, how would I say, um, differentiator. If I'm yeah. being completely honest, so I, I would I say I pay as much t- attention to EM as developed. Probably not, but I'm definitely looking at you know EM a lot more than I used to. That's for sure. Yeah, they, you know they definitely can be a lot more complicated. I think that's what you, you know you touched on as well. As you know, I, I read somewhere it was about four. Four to six weeks ago, I read somewhere saying that, you know, EMs are probably one of the only places really that you see interest rates increasing, but the economy can also increase as yeah. well because you can see that foreign direct investment coming in. You know, usually when we're seeing interest rate increases, well, we're seeing it now in, in the developed nations, but it's not actually working. But usually when we see increase in, in interest rates, that usually slows down the economy, props the, the um, local currency up, and then we start to see a recession. Where sometimes you could see that in Brazil, you know, they could they could increase interest rates quite high, and yet the economy can still be booming because of this foreign direct investment, you know. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, be, it's a it can be great quite, point. It, yeah, it can be quite a hard one to balance, you know. And I think you have to be very specific with FDIs. You know, you can't really just say, "Well, I'm just going to invest in the index." I think you have to be a bit more specific in terms yeah. of the industry and, and and really target that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're bang on there, Rory. It's just like. It takes a lot more homework for sure. So, yeah. you know, when you look at a currency pair, whether it's like euro dollar, um, for example, your 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 main due diligence is like rates yeah. and economic forecast. So you know I mean you can get away with technical analysis, a little bit of macro and still be fairly competent. In, yeah, you know, rate, understanding rates inflation, yeah. unemployment, you know, a couple you know, of a, f- a few bits of data and you know, you're laughing. Yeah. It's just like, right, okay, cool. I I understand the dynamic here, but there's a lot more to do in EM as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just on surface level, you know, you you've got to be very in the know with regards to the political scene, whatever economy it is, Brazil, Argentina, whatever. Yeah, Eastern Europe, you, you know, you have to understand just how volatile, um, you know, politics is in these countries. And, you know, the president, the prime minister, the guy or girl, the big city, you know, it's very much um, draw, drawn and, you know, dictated by political stability. Yeah, um, a change a then, change of power there can just, you know, can erupt civil unrest and that can go on yeah. for weeks and months and, you know, yeah. really and then, uh, distract investment out. Yeah, 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know, but like, bit like France, but like our French mates over the water. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's just one yeah. of those. It's just like it, it, it's a different ball game, and you, and you're right, everybody, because you know volatility over there. You know, I mean, I don't know how many companies are in Brazil, right? I don't know how many are listed, mm-hmm. right? But you know, the the extent to which you'd see companies that are fairly reputable and sizable to those that are basically startups. And, you know, it's it's a lot more volatile, you know, so you you said it right there, you know, it'd be hard to invest an index because, you know, you'd really need to kind of dig deeper and, you know, choose your winners after, you know, extensive DD. Yeah. But it's one of those in which, you know, ultimately long term, I feel as though, you know, as, you know, the global economy becomes ever more interlinked, EM is going to play a bigger yeah. and more important part. So, you know, I'm not surprised that we see, uh, you know, a lot of money being pumped into the likes of Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, China's not really an EM anymore. South Africa no. still somewhat, you know, shaky. But like it's, it's, you know, we're paying more attention to them, and and it's important to do so because if you are a, uh, you know, seasoned investor and you are looking for, you know, uncorrelated returns, well, EMs are good shout to be honest exactly it's never it's never a bad shot you know you can always get the sort of higher risk adjusted returns or sometimes you can get definitely bigger returns i mean 30 40 percent sometimes in some of them markets is i wouldn't say the going rate but it can it can easily occur 100%. i mean looking at this week then obviously the data we've seen very very light week in terms of of the economic calendar um you know pce was probably the main one mate that came out um obviously we've seen it come out um month on month uh at not point uh, sorry i'm looking at the wrong figures not point three core pc was coming out and then obviously um year on year we're now back below five at four point yeah. nine. so we're really starting to head now towards that territory of getting close to two percent again you know yes we're, we're still more than halfway over but we're getting there we're close we're nearly at the we're nearly at the point you know yeah, it's positive. I mean, it's still somewhat of a mixed bag. I'm just looking at some of the um, some of the figures on, on my screen as well. I'm just looking at US yeah. initial jobless claims. Uh, they were expecting a, you know, uh, flat print. Uh, yeah. They wanted two six five, came in at two three nine. So you know, resilience there. Um, yeah. And again, GDP growth rate quarter on quarter. Uh, they were calling for one point four, coming at two. So you know, like, yes, it's positive PC coming down, but there's still hints of stubbornness in pockets of you know the u.s economy still doing pretty well still proving to be resilient and you know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a lot in previous weeks right rory is you know that stubbornness in Mm -hmm. the inflation battle is just like right well yeah you know they paused last time it's just like well i think you've got to start again you know that's that's one of those and i think that's what they're doing i think they're definitely going to start again you know they're going to go for another 25 as we said, was it last week or the week before? Median dot plot projections this year now five point six percent. You know, obviously a bit lower into twenty twenty four, but still, you know, still quite high rates there. I don't think we're going to hit terminal rates just yet. I mean, yeah, I think next week especially is going to be a busy week. I mean, we have NFP on Friday, unemployment rate on Friday, ISM services, ISM manufacturing, a lot of data coming out as well as initial and continuing jobless claims. The jobless claims have always been, you know, the last couple of months now. Really, always been um below what they what they thought they were going to be. So I do think now when we've seen the unemployment rate rise, what was it last time? Three point four to three point seven. 
or something. Yeah, something it like had, that. It had risen to. I think now I wouldn't be surprised if it went back down to three point six or remained at three point seven. I don't mm. think it, I don't think it's going to go up to three point eight or three point nine. If it does, then that could give a bit of breather into markets. We could see risk assets rally. Yeah, you know, start to see a bit more dollar weakness. But just talking about dollar, I mean, last week, I mean, dollar started off very very strong into the week. Um, you know, it found a lot of just looking at the dollar index, found a lot of support around one hundred two. Managed to push up as far as one hundred three point five, and then finished the week below one hundred three. You know, on Friday there, we've seen huge returns coming from, you know, the S&P. It was up 1.23. NASDAQ was up 1.6. You know, definitely a risk on um, movement going here. And I think that comes as no surprise looking at some of the, the stocks in the index. You know, we've seen things like Lucid was up 20%. And, you know, wow. we've also seen, you know, Aston Martin as well was up huge. So we've seen a lot of M&A deals, a lot of um, earnings reports as well coming through. Carnival Cruise Lines, I think, was another one. Yeah. Um, they were expecting, was it not point? 0.62 and reported 0.55 APS. Uh, this was a loss and this still went up. So yes, the loss wasn't as much as expected. Revenues were higher, but stock jumped like 10%. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one with Carnival. I feel as though that's largely uh, a post-COVID play. Um, yes, it, it missed, uh, you know, uh, the expected figure, but I feel as though, you know, it wasn't, you know, a complete... Um, shot in the dark if you were you know you they 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 weren't that far off like this you know they still miss a little bit but ultimately what i'm trying to say is it's a, a positive move in the right direction mm-hmm. in the sense that you know uh, airlines and all these crews you know all travel stocks got absolutely hammered and taken to the cleaners during covid and yeah. it's nice to see uh you know that's an industry that really bounced back and i feel as though people are looking at that and they're thinking more of a long term now it's like, yeah. right, well, you know, back to business as normal. And I feel as though, you know, that's an area in which there's a lot of value to be derived from. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now, with, ultimately, if you're looking for cheap, you know, yeah, you go. and fuel prices, you know, I mean, are what, two year lows now, three year lows? Yeah. You know, very, very low. A lot of companies are probably going in to try and hedge those costs, you know, trying to secure, you know, futures contracts at these prices. So, I mean, they're going to be able to get steady rates for the next year or two. And I mean, be able to lock in those prices probably for customers yeah. and pass on the savings potentially. And, you know, I remember reading the the Ryanair report and that's what Michael O'Leary was saying, you know, that they're currently hedged quite higher this year in the Royal. They're actually currently hedged at $87 a barrel. I think it is. So it is still significantly higher, but he says that he's able to then fix the costs over the remainder of the year. And, you know, prices are then able to remain. It's that stability though, stable. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's, that's one of the main things when it comes to like low cost carriers and also coming to whether it's cruise holidays and things like that it's stability people don't like when it's you know a thousand pound for a holiday then it goes to two thousand you know people mm. people like it to remain stable the whole, whole year through and that gives people confidence booking as well yeah you know absolutely one of the absolutely. big things. so i think looking into next week mate um obviously monday ism manufacturing comes out tuesday we have rba interest rate decision they're expected to hike 25 this time um so they'll probably Let's see if they do it they'll probably cut 25 yeah <laughs> you know and that, but for anybody who doesn't get it, um, doesn't get the memo, the RBA have supposed. What was it? The last two times they were supposed to keep rates unchanged and they ended up hiking twice in a row. Yeah, um, yeah, so, those little rascals down under, like yeah. you know, just out of nowhere. Was yeah, I think one of them was a. <clears throat> wasn't one of them flat? I mean, they expected not to raise, and then they went twenty five, and then. No, I think you're right. It was two yeah. like non raises, and they they went twenty five each time. I think I can't I can't remember exactly, yeah. but it was just like. And you know, all... the first one 
happen. And then when it was time to come to the next, I, I remember saying, yeah, they'll do it again. Yeah, <laughs> they did do it yeah, again. And, yeah, you saw yeah. AUD rise. So yeah. I, think, I think my call at the time was AUD yen. Um, so, you know, it, it was just, it was quite funny to see because I think that was a bit more speculative yeah. uh, than anything because, you know, it's a coin toss, you know, with them, right? So it's like, yeah. And especially, especially those guys. And then you yeah. have FOMC minutes on Wednesday, Thursday. Then we have the usual initial contending jobless claims, jolts, job openings, um, ISM services. And then Friday's a big one. Um, ESR, employment situation report, NFP, unemployment rate. So NFP, there we go. NFP previous was 339. Consensus is 225. Again, like we've said, oh. that, you know, consensus is always so much lower. NFP, what, what was it? Yes. NFP last time. Remember, it was huge last time, wasn't it? It was three three nine last time. Yeah, and, and that overshot as and well. The, do you and remember? The, and and the they wanted something to something. Yeah, I was just like, what is? Oh. I th- look, I think it's the same again. If I'm being completely honest, yeah. Uh, will we see three? Look, well, I look. I did put my money where my mouth is. So I think that number's going to overshoot on consensus. Consensus yeah. was what, Rory? Two something. Two two five. So it was the consensus last year, last month was one ninety. And it yeah, two two five is this one, right? I reckon yeah. you know. So one ninety. So 119 yeah. it came out at 339. This year, yeah. this month is 225. So I reckon 260, 270. Yeah, I think so. A quarter of a mil at least there anyway. Yeah. And then unemployment rate, uh, previous 3.7 expected this month to set 3.7. Um, I mean, it's you know, the highest we've seen from June 2022 was 3.7. Well, June 2022 was 3.6. Um, July was 3.5. And then I remember August it went back up to 3.7. So it's mm. never been it's never been above 3.7 in that year. It's just been flat yeah so pressure is going to be on there as well markets yeah of course yeah so i think that's everything mate covered the markets well um still a bit of a risk on rally going at the minute so i think just oh yeah one last one last thing before um obviously people are probably looking at crypto space um and they're probably thinking oh bitcoin looks attractive now yeah and it does and that's obviously been largely pushed by fidelity and then filing for um you know uh ETFs. So basically, they're they're looking to move further into the crypto space. They've been talking with regulators, trying to get sign off on um, crypto uh, ETFs, and it's just you know positive news for the crypto space as a whole. You know, obviously, crypto very much dominated by you know adaptation by big finance. Well, you don't get any bigger than Fidelity, as far as I'm concerned. So you know, this is positive news. We see crypto bounce back nicely. We're at thirty point five k. Um, the technicals are looking really strong for it at the moment. But, you know, again, I think that's definitely directly correlated with, you know, activity associated with Fidelity. So, yeah, you know, it's looking promising at the minute, a bit of a consolidation period. But if things progress in that front, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a nice bull rally involved with uh, the crypto as a whole, not just Bitcoin. Yeah. So the, the music hasn't stopped yet in the crypto space. The music hasn't stopped. Hasn't yeah. I <laughs> love the podcast. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Nice one, Rory. Yeah. See you in the next one. Cheers. All the best, mate. Nice one. Bye-bye.